Bill Michael Show. We are uh, on the air. We are broadcasting live in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and we are at the Hewing Hotel here for the next couple of days, today and tomorrow, and then back. Don't forget our coverage. Uh, first round of the NFL draft begins 7 o'clock Thursday night, Central Time. So tune into many of these stations, and if they're not carrying it, first of all, shame on them. Secondly, you can find us on the app, WOZN, The Zone, out of Madison. Download that app, and you'll get all of our draft analysis, draft coverage coming up myself. And then Mike Clemens going to be live from Lambeau Field. we got all of that coming up on Thursday night as round one of the NFL draft gets underway again, 7 o'clock Central Time on the Bill Michael Sports Talk Network and uh, many of our apps and such. Joining us now on uh, on the hotline uh, covering uh, the Milwaukee Brewers for the Athletic is Will Salmon. And, Will, how are you doing today, man? What's going on? Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me on, man. Always good Absolutely appreciate it. Uh, all right, I'm going to ask you the question I've been asking all day. So at what point do you begin to become concerned, covering this Brewers team, offensively speaking, where you start to say, mm, this this is not on the, the best of paths? Uh, when I start, like right now I'm sitting at about a four, ten being completely out of my mind and full-fledged panic for the rest of the season, and one being I really don't care, it's way too early to even make speculation. So I'm sitting at about a four because I'm seeing some pretty bad at-bats. I'm seeing the ball being hit into the ground a lot. And I'm seeing strikeouts on the rise. So give me your level of concern. And at what point do you really become concerned? Well, I think from the jump, you, you probably should have had some concern about just their offense, if that's what if that's what you're talking about. But, like, the thing with the Brewers is that they continue to win games. Like, they rode this formula all the way to the playoffs last year. And it's the same type of thing this year. It's the same uh, formula, the same approach to – this is how we're going to win games. So uh, do I, as a writer, as somebody covering the team, do am I entertained all the time watching it? Probably not, uh, just because it's, it's a lot of the safeness. It's a lot of, it's a lot of outs. It's um, not the – you're not going to get a lot of home runs from this team all the time. You're not going to get a flashy offense where they're putting together, you know, this terrific inning all the time. Um, but – this is something that has worked for them. And I don't know if like panic or if, you know, the level of concern meter applies in that sense. But as far as maybe being worried about this offense, I think people should, um, they're not wrong for thinking that this is very similar to what they saw toward the end of last year, because it's pretty much the same team. Um, it's just pretty much the same lineup. They got better with the addition of Andrew McCutcheon as their DH, but all, all the teams have a DH and all teams um, got better in that sense if they added somebody to, to occupy that role. So, so yeah, I think that there's definitely some level of concern if that was the question regarding the offense, but as far as the team as, as, as a whole, they should still be pretty good and they should still continue to win games um, because they're, they've proven that this works for them in the long run for the long haul as far as getting to the playoffs, um, being one of the top teams in their division. When you uh, start to go up and down the lineup and guys that continue to struggle, obviously you've got Lorenzo Kane, Colton Wong, Christian Yelich, Hunter Renfro. There's some other guys that are in there. Uh, Rowdy Telez was on fire and his average has come down. His OPS is still solid and he's, he can still hit a long ball with the best of them. But right now, if you had to say one guy, two guys, really, they just don't look right. Uh, they're just obviously not getting it done. Who might that be? 
Well, there's a, there's a few like you mentioned on this team that are just not really what we expected. Um, for one, one guy that comes to mind who's gotten about 60 plate appearances right now is Colton Wong. Um, he's somebody that they rely on at the top of their order most nights. They had Andrew McCutcheon bat first against left-handed pitching. Uh, but Colton's the guy that, that we saw a lot of times last year. Like when he's right, and he's getting on base, it's kind of a spark plug for this team offensively, and that's something that they've really been lacking. It's gone under the radar a little bit just because he's not that middle-of-the-order guy, but he's really important, and for him to have, like, what, a 185 on-base percentage uh, almost 20 games into the season, um, that's not going to work for them in, in the way that their offense is built. Uh, and other guys, like you mentioned, too, like you're, you're going to need more home runs from Hunter Renfro um, than, the, than the two he has. Um, he kind of got things got going in a better direction after a slow first few games, um, but that has to continue. And, and we haven't seen that. We haven't seen him like really build on it for a longer a longer stretch just yet. He's typically a slow starter though, so like I I, I wouldn't worry too much about him um, at this point in the season. And then obviously, you know, it, it, we we talk all the time, Bill, about Christian Yelich. There's nothing really new there. Um, they're relying on him for more than the 196 average or wherever he's at right now. And and just the, the slugging percentage of just over 300, I think, right now is, is very similar to, to what we saw last year. You know, we saw the Grand Slam uh, about a week or so ago, but we haven't really seen him be able to build off of that. So, really, you go up and down the list, and, you know, when, you know, your backup catcher, Victor Carantini, probably has your some of your best numbers, that, that's not – what you're looking for when you look at this team batting at home i thought well the numbers are going to jump off the off the the charts and it'll look a lot better really the only two guys that hit it at american family field omar Navaez, is hitting 333 and a 956 ops and you got a guy like tyrone taylor only with 13 at bats but he's hitting over 300 everybody else is pretty much the same i thought for other than hunter renfro who hits 269 at american family field I thought for sure that at home in the warmer climate things would be better, and they're not. It's it's so to me. It's not just a home or road thing, or maybe a matchup thing. This has been something that's been consistent almost from day one. We did see the grand slam for Christian Yelich, and you thought, boy, maybe that's the one that gets him off the schneid because there was the whole article about how hard he's hitting the baseball. The problem is he's hitting it right into the ground. They've gone through different pitching coaches. They have these hitting labs. You know, I don't think there's much left to do. You know what I mean? I think at this point in time, we just look at it and say as fans, this is just merely, this is just the player. The players just simply aren't getting it done, correct? Yeah, I would. I think I would agree with that. And, like, you look across baseball, and we're in a climate now where offense is really down. Um, we're seeing less home runs in April than we've ever seen, or at least that we've seen in, like, the last 15 years or so, um, particularly and especially different when comparing it to the last couple of years. But my point is, like, okay, yes, offense is down, but that doesn't mean, like, you get a pass for being the worst offense, one of the worst offenses in the league. Um, just like you're still the worst, you're still one of the worst offenses in the league, whether the offense is down or not. Um, that's been my point the past couple, the past week or so, is that yes, the offense is down, um, but there are still other teams that are at the top of that list. Given the context of it being down, and there's other teams that are toward the bottom, and the Brewers are toward the bottom in, in a lot of these categories. Um, and so, yes, 
yeah, I look back and, and you say to yourself, yes, they changed the hitting coaches. Um, we've seen them versus teams like the Orioles. We've seen them against teams like the Pirates. We've seen them against teams like the Cardinals right now. Um, yes, it's early, but this could just be who they are as a team. Like This is a very, they call it run prevention heavy team where they're going to rely heavily on their pitching and their defense. And it's going to lead to a lot of close games like we saw yesterday where it's, it's a one-run game for a while, and it could go one or two ways. Um, they could remain perfect, the pitching staff, and or close to perfect, and continue to pitch really well for nine innings. Or they can make a mistake or two, and it's going to be very costly because they're not going to be able to um, come back and score enough runs to bail them out. And then we saw the latter happen yesterday. Um, because their pitching staff is that good, more often than not, they're going to probably win those games. But... It's just it, it, it's just not a complete team, I guess, is, is the best answer I could probably give you. The uh, the pitching, though, has been stellar. Uh, as much as we talk about the hitting and the lack thereof, the pitching, for the most part, has been really, really good. Another wasted effort uh, by uh, yesterday by Corbin Burns, who didn't get the run support. Uh, I said at one point, you're going to have to have everybody sit around a conference table and apologize to Corbin Burns because he's pitched so well this season and he doesn't really have anything, in, any, have anything to show for it. But give me your thoughts on this pitching staff because we know pitching will win you championships, but you've got to have fortification behind it at some point. But this this staff has been pretty much on point. Yeah, it's terrific. It, it really is. And it's rounding into form. I know because it's early and because like all we saw were like the first turn or two initially of these guys, people were a little bit concerned with the walks and, and just, they weren't as sharp as we saw last year. And it just goes to show you that like, you know, these guys are human beings and they're going to have a bad start or two. Um, but yeah, we've really seen them round into form completely. Uh, starting with Corbin Burns, and then Woodruff had that great start against the Cardinals during the home opener uh, for the Brewers, and he's been able to build, and obviously he carried that no-hitter last start into the fifth or sixth inning, I forgot which, uh, but he's been great. And then the big thing for me was what Freddie Peralta was able to do Friday night against the Phillies. He really found himself, uh, got back to what he does best, which is locate his fastball throw it for strikes, challenge hitters with it, and then he used his slider accordingly. And we saw a lot of that. We saw him mix in the changeup, too, which is the pitch that he's been working on. And he looked great. And then after those guys, you have Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer, who have ERAs comparable to Corbin Burns since mm-hmm. the middle of June, which is pretty remarkable um, that that's actually a sentence, but it is. And when you have those guys as your number four and five, I mean, it's it's really hard to pick a rotation that's better than them. Plus, you have Aaron Ashby there. And so it really begs the question, uh, with also Ethan Small in the minor leagues, like, do you deal from that strength eventually and, and try to fortify, like you said, that, that, that lineup? I'm not sure because, like we said at the beginning of the conversation, like, they use this formula to get to the playoffs. It's been their M.O., um, it becomes a little bit of a different team when you don't have that kind of depth and, and as great a pitching. Um, so, like, what do you do? I'm not sure. Um, a great question for David Stearns, I guess. But, yeah, it's been a, it's been a great rotation. And then their bullpen, too. Aside, I know last night people probably don't want to talk about the bullpen, but it's been, it's been uh, very good more often than not. Um, I want to go back to something you talked about when you talked about, the, you know, David Stearns and what he would do. Uh, if the offense stays this way and the pitching keeps them in it, I mean, you would assume at some point he's going to probably make a deal for a bat. But 
you don't have other than guys that are up here right now that you know they, they don't have options you can't send them down i mean what do you do i mean this is you're kind of stuck. I mean, David Stearns likes to have options, guys he can send up and down, manipulation of the roster. You don't have a lot of that when it comes to your starting lineup. you got maybe two, three guys tops that have options available. So do you think that uh, it, it would come to, hey, if you're not doing it by the All-Star break, then you might just have to find your way to the street and other guys might have to come in or guys that they have in the minors? Uh, it's possible. I mean, we saw this team be very proactive last year. When Luis Urias was struggling at shortstop, they didn't hesitate to make a move in May to bring in Willie Adamas. Like you could have easily, like just let like let that one go and, and just say, okay, he's a young player, he's learning on the job thing. But it got to the point where it was just it wasn't something that they were able to accept and say to themselves, we could win games this way, and they couldn't. Um, they were not that good of a team at that point, and so they shifted. They made a big move, and again, they, they weren't afraid to do something similar with Rowdy Tellez at first base. Like They were like, okay, we need help at first base. Like Let's get somebody we think is available. He was at a pretty good price. It just cost them like a mid-tier prospect, a minor leaguer, and a relief pitcher. So those were two good trades there. I think like what you're saying is that like there, there's like not – like yes, the lineup up and down has struggled, but like it's not as if like there's like a position where they don't have somebody that they kind of – if not committed to, that they actually like there. I think Luis Arias will definitely help them once he gets healthy from his rehab assignment, and he'll help that third base position. Going forward, it'll be interesting to see, I think, what they do with um, center field, perhaps. Um, that's an area that they haven't really gotten a whole lot of contribution from, and, and maybe that's an area where they could look for a trade or, or do something there, because I think what you're saying is that they, they have other pieces that they like whether it's second base or left field with christian yellish like those guys aren't going anywhere right but maybe that there there is some way that they can make something happen in center field or perhaps a different position that maybe isn't as obvious we've we've always seen david stars take that route as well real quick before i let you go uh is there an update on urias as to when he might be back it's going to probably take a little bit longer just because he got hurt uh, after what two at bats in spring training, so like not only do they want his quad healthy, but they also want him to kind of ready. So I'd assume something like uh, the at bats that guys usually get in spring training, which is around 20 or so plate appearances, where they say, "Okay, I'm good to go." I think once you hit that number, um, that that's probably what you'd look for, like the the requisite amount uh, for a spring training. That's probably what their goal is with Urias, that he's only up to about eight after playing back to back Saturday Sunday. Will, great stuff as always, man. I appreciate it. We'll touch base a little bit later down the road as the season winds on, okay? Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, Bill. Appreciate it, buddy. There you go, Will Salmon. You can read his stuff at Will Salmon, S-A-M-M-O-N, S-A-M-M-O-N over on Twitter, covering the Brewers for The Athletic, and uh, good stuff from him. A lot of update stuff. So not a level of panic right now in his eyes. Not a uh, – and, again, it's still early in a very long Major League Baseball season. I get it. Not a lot of panic right now. But at some point, there's going to be some panic. At some point, you look at it and go, boy, uh, I hope everybody that goes to the hill uh, gives up maybe a hit, and that's about it, and no long balls because this team can't play enough runs to be able to win games consistently. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at Stoley's Hog Alley. If you drove past it uh, yesterday and today, they started the major construction. They are still open. Stop in. But if you want to see the construction live and in person for the whole new joint they're building over there, basically, uh, go over and tell uh, Jeff and Alicia we said hi. Otherwise, Stolzo 109 up there in Watertown, great place, fantastic food. And, by the way, the kitchen is still open. 
at Stoley's Hog Alley uh, in Oconomowoc and Summit, uh, but it's limited. They, they're they kind of, you know, winding things down a little bit while they go through some major renovation and major construction. But thanks for hanging in there with them. They certainly appreciate your business. Stay tuned. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show broadcasting live here in Minneapolis. We'll be uh, coming back right after this. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back. We are live. We're in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And uh, here just uh, nothing special as far as sports goes. Uh, but here, Kristen's um, got a, a banker's conference here. So we are uh, bringing the show to the Ewing Hotel. The Ewing Hotel, which is a beautiful downtown hotel. Uh, a renovated building uh, converted uh, from industrial and I think maybe like a bank or something. With the size of the vault here behind me. Uh, into uh, a beautiful downtown hotspot. And apparently, the and I have not been up there yet, but the rooftop, they say, is one of the best views in downtown Minneapolis, uh, the rooftop bar. So uh, maybe I'll get up there before uh, I get out of here today. I'll be back here again tomorrow as well, but a uh, beautiful place here, beautiful place. Uh, 877-867-1670, you're looking at a live view outside the window. Uh, out of the conference center that I'm sitting in. So figured we'd do a little bit. How you doing? Walking by. Um, this portion of the program, by the way, brought to you by our friends at Milwaukee Brewing, MKE Brewing, 9th Street, downtown. And they're going to be heading down as the closeout game happens on Wednesday night. The closeout game tomorrow night as the Bucks knock off the Bulls to get that series done and over with and then to face the uh, Boston Celtics. The closeout game tomorrow night going to be taking place. Head over to MKE Brewing on 9th Street, 9th and Highland to be exact. Prior to the game, only a couple of blocks west of the Fiserv Forum. Just stop in, have a couple of beverages, do a little tasting. There's Bottle House 42, good food there. And then walk on down to the Fiserv Forum and enjoy yourself. It's all within walking distance. So stop over to MKE Brewing and uh, enjoy yourself with some craft beers uh, created right here in the great state of Wisconsin. Uh, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, please feel free to go ahead and do so. Um, I want to get to the report that uh, the Packers are interested uh, interested in uh, the Raiders' uh, tight end, Darren Waller. Now, uh, again, this is the reports that came out of Aaron Nagler and she said TV said that uh, there were some sources that said that uh, Waller was originally a part of the Devontae Adams trade, but because of you can't trade players that have not signed uh, tenders yet as franchise tags and such, you can't do that. So they had to pass on getting Waller in return. So now they're still in the hunt for Waller, possibly, as to what he'll draw. But Waller, a great pass-catching tight end when it comes to position, field position, and um, when it comes to uh, uh, you know moving the sticks more than anything, he's not a big downfield threat. He's not the wide receiver type that Tanyan is, but he can he can go up and get a ball, and he's good in the red zone. So when you which would be another weapon for Aaron Rodgers. Now the question becomes: You've got Dominic Daphne, you've got Robert Tanya, you got Mercedes Lewis, then you would add Waller into the mix. Waller, I think, would be an upgrade, obviously, but it, it, does does Waller's addition make sense? 
That's my question. Does the addition of Waller, should this pan out, does this make sense? 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. Does it make sense if you're the Packers? If you wanted to bring Waller into this situation? I don't know that it does. I think Waller is a, is a really good tight end. I wouldn't put him up, up there with the uh, the highlight reel that Jared Cook had when he was here. He's not, you know, Gronk, but he's a good pass-catching tight end. But would you where, – where would you rate that level of tight end with 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 Waller? When you Is he like a George Kittle? You know? He's scheduled to make $6.8 million and $7 million in cash over the next couple of years – which would equal cap hits if traded on this current deal. So for reference, the last market selling or setting deal at the tight end position was George Kittle's contract uh, back uh, last year for $75 million over five years. That's $15 million a year. That can include $30 million in guaranteed at signing. Waller turns 30 in September. At the time of that signing, though, Kittle was 27. So what would you put that that desire for Waller to be here at 877-867-1670-877-867-1670. When you talk about the percentage of snaps by a tight end lining up at wide out over the last three seasons, Waller can do that. He's fourth in the league at doing that. You know who's uh, who's fifth? Jared Cook at lining up. I don't know if I'm going to trade a lot. But I, I like the thought of if you can't go out and find the wide receiver you want, go get a tight end, a pass-catching tight end, because they can, they can change the field. We've seen that. Again, he's not Kittle. He's not Gronk. He's a, he's he's Tanya in two point He's he's a guy that can go get a ball. He's not going to be consistently downfield, but he can run you a ten to twenty yard route and be good at it. And that that is moving the sticks. That's what you want. Not to mention the fact that he's really good in the red zone. Eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy eight seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. If you want to find us, what would you give up, or does this make sense? to bring Darren Waller into the Green Bay Packers organization. Do you like the deal if indeed this turns out to be true? If it turns out to be true. He doesn't have your big beef gronk tight end physique. He's you know, he's a little smaller than that as far as thickness goes. Still a taller tight end though. 877-867-1670. Did you guys talk a lot about that yesterday, Ben? No, I ended up seeing it uh after the show actually. Okay. I wasn't sure if you guys uh, discussed this. Do you like this deal? If indeed the Packers would go after him? Um, I mean, the player, absolutely. I mean, he's a premier pass-catching tight end, and he could do a lot in that offense. What I don't really understand is the whole not knowing that they couldn't trade for him because he was he didn't sign his tender. Like, weren't they right. just trading away Devontae Adams, who had right. just not signed the tender or whatever situation mm-hmm. like the, yeah. I, I I don't know the whole timeline of it is confusing to me. I don't really know how much is really there. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how that breakdown happened. Um, 
I, and I don't know if there's one of these where you kind of point the finger and you go, somebody's at fault for this, for not getting this guy in the trade to begin with. Um, but, you know, to go now uh, back and say, well, we'd like to bring this guy in, so what are you going to give up? Are you going to give up? If he's that good, are you giving up a second? Are you giving up a third to get him? You're not going to give up numerous picks unless they're late-round picks. All of the talk I'm seeing is a second. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Derek Carr also did tweet today at this whole rumor that there's no way he's letting Waller leave. I don't know. Yeah, I how much power I, he and has. Again, but. I, I, and, and again, uh, you know, I've trusted Aaron Nagler. I don't have any reason to believe that Aaron Nagler would be wrong or erroneous in this call. But I, I, I kind of balked at that a little bit. I thought, wait a minute, you're going to give up Waller? What? You're just starting to build. The, the ability for these guys to, you know, for Derek Carr to have numerous weapons, why would you take that away from him, you know? But it is what it is. But uh, the rumor's out there. Would you indeed do that? 877-867-1670. What would that equate to? Or if you're going to go, and again, it might just be something where the Packers are kind of fielding all calls and making calls because they're looking at it by saying, if we can't get one of these wide receivers to be the counterpart, then maybe that's what we do is just add additional weapons anywhere we can stick them. And that's not a bad way to go about it. I mean, that's, you know, I, I and we're going to hear more from Brian Gudikins coming up, but I, I don't mind that they're looking at all avenues to try and say, maybe we can fix this in a certain way. Maybe we can look at this by saying, well, if we can't get the wide receiver, then we can run Lazard. We we can run many different options. And then, oh, by the way, we can run two tight end sets. Who are you going to cover out of the tight end position? Think about that. If you have both Tanyan and Waller on the field, you know, and when you start to talk about your ability to throw the ball downfield and you've got Sammy Watkins, Lazard, and then a two tight end set, or maybe a guy like Waller, Sammy Watkins, still Lazard, Cobb, Amari Rogers, whatever, and then Aaron Jones out of the backfield. You can almost empty your backfield that way. It gives you – all is not lost offensively for the Packers, but it gives you options, and it gives you size options as well if indeed you don't get that other veteran wide receiver that you so covet. 877-867-1670. Hit us up. We are broadcasting live here in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the Hewing Hotel. Beautiful place. Beautiful place here. Uh, speaking of a terrific place to go, go to the UW Panther Arena. Check out our friends at the Milwaukee Admirals efforting their way towards the postseason at this point. And we got to get down there, got to do a show down there as they get ready to do the postseason. The Milwaukee Admirals, go to milwaukeeadmirals.com. Tickets are on sale. Again, milwaukeeadmirals.com. As the season winds down and the postseason begins to heat up, go to milwaukeeadmirals.com. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Seven seven eight six seven sixteen seventy. 
Um, Steve says uh, you can't not trade players in a non-side franchise tag. Uh, that was not part of the Adams trade. Uh, correct. That's what we said. You can't trade a player that has not signed their free agent um, franchise tag, that tender. That's the reason that that deal as constructed or as it was stated did not go down. The league nixed it. Can't do that. Um, Brian says the Packers may be concerned about Tanya's progress and looked at Waller uh, trade as insurance to have uh, another quality tight end. I think you look at it as an upgrade, you know, t- just, you know, Tanyan plus, so to speak. Um, you know that, and this is another way to look at it, and Steve, you're probably right over on the Bud Light live stream. When you look at Waller, he could be looking at this situation. He himself could be looking at this by saying, you know what, they're bringing in Devontae Adams. Devontae's going to want the football. Him and Derek Carr have that relationship. That's where the ball's going to go. I'm only going to see a pittance of what I used to get target-wise. So maybe he wants to bolster and pad those stats at 30 years old somewhere else. And maybe if he has a chance to go play with Aaron Rodgers and get more targets from the tight end position, since he really doesn't have a favorite right now, then maybe that might not be a bad way to go. I understand that. 877-867-1670. You want to chime in, feel free to go ahead and do so. Hey, if you're out and about looking for good Mexican food, uh, just south of uh, State Fair Park on 84th Street, it's called the Wrestling Taco. Stop in and tell Marcus and Nicole and the staff, howdy. And if you're going to go down and watch the game tomorrow night, they have theater seating inside the restaurant. You can sit back, get that big margarita, get a taco in hand, and watch the game as the Bucks close out the Bulls tomorrow night down at the Five Serve Forum. Good stuff from them. Uh, if you want to chime in on, on it, by all means, go ahead and do so. This is from uh, this is from our buddy Steve. Steve says, uh, good day, Bill. I like the thought of Waller on the Packers. It just depends what you have to give up to get him. Uh, 6'6", 250, but he's 30 years old. I would not give up a second rounder for him. I'd rather use a second on Ty McBride or Greg Dolchich, uh, who are both much younger and a lot cheaper. As far as the Brewers are concerned, the hitting is becoming troubling. I would start to juggle the lineup by maybe mid-May. If things are still stagnant, I'd start to explore some possible trade options for a bat or two. I'd like to see Devin Williams get hot and dangle him out there as a little bit of trade bait. That's our buddy Steve in Richfield. I, 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 you got to get something, so therefore you got to give something up. I understand that. I don't like the fact that everybody is really willing to give up these, these pitching people. You know, whether it's a prospect, whether it's somebody that's under contract, an up-and-comer, people want to get rid of Woodruff and Hayter, and you're, I, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. I really do. I think you're doing yourself. Pitching wins championships. If you find a bat for a couple of prospects, you know, down the line, that might not be a bad way to go. Maybe find somebody that you're trying to kind of, you know, polish that diamond in the rough, a guy that's just looking for greener pastures that comes in and gives you that lightning in a bottle. That's probably what the Brewers are going to get. You're not going to get, unless you're going after a big-time bonafide bat, that's when you're going to have to make a deal for maybe a top-notch pitcher. Otherwise, I'm not giving up. I'm, I'm not tearing down my pitching staff that is so good to go get one bat. A pitcher that can give me long innings 
versus a guy that's going to give me four at-bats. The four at-bats are very valuable, don't get me wrong, but I don't think I'm giving that up. I just don't think I'm going to give that up. 877-867-1670, 877-867-1670. If you want to find us, feel free to, feel free to go ahead and do so. But I just don't think I'd be doing that right now. Um, got a couple more here. This one's from Zach. Zach says, hey, Bill, Waller would be a great addition to the Green Bay Packers, an extra weapon for Aaron Rodgers, and would also put pressure on a guy like Robert Tanyan to come back and be even better. We know Mercedes Lewis is your blocking tight end. Dominic Daphne would be the odd man out. I just wouldn't give up more than a two for him and maybe a two for next year's draft and not necessarily this year's draft. Uh, well, again, if you're going to give, if you're the, if you're the Raiders, you're giving up a weapon. You're giving up another guy that Derek Carr can throw to. You're not going to say, oh, by the way, we'll take him next year. You would give one up in this year's draft. There, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And that's if they're even willing to do it. Uh, again, you know, uh, there is some people that say the report is the report. I trust Aaron Nagler. Others say, nope, Derek Carr, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Not giving this guy up. He's, he's one of the weapons. They're just getting to the point where they believe this offense can really begin to take off by getting Devontae Adams. They've got Waller. They've got some other weapons that they throw to. Derek Carr now has this arsenal that they've built. Why would you begin to tear that back down? And and that makes sense as well. That makes a lot of sense. Um, this is from Tim. Tim says, uh, hey, Bill, great show. Uh, missed you yesterday. But good, by the way, another compliment for Ben Kenny and Grant Bills. Good fill-ins. Uh, but glad to have you back. The Brewers' offense stinks, and the fact that the Packers are considering another tight end might mean that Robert Tanyan has not healed properly and may not be ready for the season thoughts. Uh, well, the offensive thing, I get it when it comes to the Milwaukee Brewers, something we've already discussed. But it, it I don't know what Tanyan is behind the scenes. I don't know if he's feeling really good and it's like, no problem, we're just going to add additional depth to this tight end uh, position, or if there's some legitimate concerns. Don't know yet. We'll have to wait and see. 877-867-1670. Oh, some breaking news. Some breaking news out of uh, the world of the NBA. Bull star Zach Levine entered the health and safety protocol. You know what that means. The big C. That's from uh, Sham Sharina. reporting that uh, Zach Levine entered the health and safety protocol. Now, we'll wait and see what uh, that means for tomorrow night, but they're not looking good anyway. Ben, were you surprised? Because you and I had talked about this before uh, on Friday, before the game Friday night, and I said if the if the Bucks came out and played really, really well and lost, it would be concerning. If they came out and played poorly, it would be even more concerning. And you had said, nope, don't worry about it. They're going to blow them out. Well, and and I and damned if they didn't. I was surprised at how well they played. Definitely. Um, I mean, we've seen recently the Bucks drop the first game or the first couple games. Then they realize, you know, we can just beat the crap out of this team, and that's what they did. The one thing that did surprise me, and I don't know if I'm really in favor of it, is Grayson Allen didn't miss a single shot, and he became Reggie Miller for right. two days. That was surprising, well, but. The fact that he did it and did it every time he touched the ball, the booze raining down, and even his own team was kind of in in, in a joking manner booing him, saying that we're going to keep booing you because you keep shooting the ball so well, is it, you're right. I mean, we talked about guys that needed to, to I hate to say step up because it's so cliche, but it's true. 
You know, you knew Giannis was going to come out with a tenacity. Now who around him was going to play to that level? Drew Holiday, we talked about getting guys coming off of the bench, Grayson Allen being one of those guys, Pat Connaughton being one of those guys. Those guys needed to kind of step up and damned if they didn't. Bobby Portis as well. Bobby Portis, uh, you know, obviously not taking any guff, a little bit of a scuffle on Sunday, not taking any guff from this team anymore, and he got hot as well. It seemed like it inspired him too. So I, I have no reason – not to believe that the prediction of the the Bucks in four or the Bucks in five will win this fourth game coming up tomorrow night, close this thing out. Now, the question then becomes, and it's funny because uh, one of the guys here at the hotel, that uh, the front desk manager, he's from uh, the the Newport area out on the East Coast, and he was asking about the Celtics, and he said, "Do you think the Celtics have a legitimate shot at beating the Bucks?" I think without Chris Middleton, the Bucks will struggle. The, the Celtics coming in with a head of steam, scoring from many different points. I think the Bucks will struggle if they don't get Chris Middleton back at some point, at some point in this series. I think they're going to struggle. So, And then we haven't really even talked about the fact that um, you've gotten just nothing out of the Nets throughout the entire series. And now, and your guy Ben Simmons didn't even play again. He was scheduled to play, and then all of a sudden he didn't play. Boy, they're killing. Did you uh, read the Boston Globe? Yeah. Did you read the Boston Globe? No. They're killing Simmons. Oh, everybody is. Killing him for being just basically a guy that's collecting money and knows it. Oh, I tweeted it out when Shams reported. At first, it looked like Simmons would play game four, which made no sense. Then it goes right. back, oh, his back's tight. He's not going to play. I tweeted, I'll take things we saw coming for 500. That was right. the, the biggest lock in the world was him not even right. taking a step on the court. Yep. Man, just, you, you talk about just such a loser. Just, I mean, oh, man. I mean, at what point do you now even begin to trust him? I, I don't even think you can. It's the same crap he pulled in Philadelphia. And here's the thing. They protected him. In Brooklyn, they didn't force him to play when he came back. They protected him and wanted him ready for the postseason. They protected him in Philadelphia when they went back. They protected him on national TV. Steve Nash, Kyrie Irving, because Kyrie doesn't protect anybody. They all, even Kevin Durant. They protected him, and and then he turns around and, and kind of craps on him. Man, just what a what a nothingness. To Ben Simmons, but uh, I'll tell you this: Tatum, Smart, Brown, those guys coming to town. That they, 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 even Williams off the bench, they've got scoring capability, and they can do it from everywhere. They can do it from everywhere. They shoot forty percent or better from beyond the arc. They can shoot almost fifty percent from the field. That that that's a team that can light you up. That's a team that can light you up, and it's. I think Giannis. Even though this is a team that's got more length and they play physical on the inside, that's fine for Giannis. Giannis can get his, but somebody around the perimeter is going to have to really either Grayson Allen stays extremely hot and Bobby Portis is hitting and Brooke Lopez is hitting and 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 Drew Holiday's hitting. But I think kind of that very quiet straw that stirs the drink is Chris Middleton, and they're going to need him back for that series against Boston at some point. You know, at some point, going to go ahead and step away, take a quick break, coming uh, to you live from Minneapolis. Here inside the uh, Twin Cities at the Ewing Hotel, beautiful place. If you ever get a chance to come in this area, if you're coming up here for, say, a Brewers game or a Bucks game, Packers game, Ewing Hotel, beautiful, beautiful downtown hotel with an incredible rooftop bar. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show. 
on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show we continue on. Hey, don't forget about our friends over there in New Male Medical, treating guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin and uh, and beyond the borders as well. Our good friends over there, uh, they uh, they get the job done. They've got a ninety eight percent success rate at treating guys with ED. That's ninety eight percent at treating guys with ED. Good good people over there, Doc Tim and everybody. Uh, all you gotta do is call 877-867-1670-877-867-1670. If you want to, or if, excuse me, 414-455-4451. That's 414-455-4451. Whether it's ED or low T treatments, it got you down, so to speak. Or if maybe you're, you're looking for the all-in-one weight loss program as we get closer and closer to, um, to, uh, to t-shirt season. Head on over. New Mail Medical Center. Again, 414-455-4451. That's 414-455-4451 from all over the great state. Just go ahead and give them a shout. Um, this one's from Mark. Mark says, uh, Ben Simmons, useless. Did you see the rant that Stephen A. Smith went on? I did not. Uh, I heard about it. I saw some of the... The, um, the, you know, the, the actual words in writing, uh, but I did not see the rant that Stephen A. Smith went on regarding Ben Simmons. But, look, uh, the, the Celtics end up beating the Nets um, and swept them, swept them. I mean, their season, the Nets' season was dysfunctional. Kyrie not being able to play because of the vaccination status, getting Ben Simmons, thinking that that was going to be the next piece, trading away, you know, James Harden, who really wasn't going to help that team to begin with. Uh, maybe take some of the scoring, uh, you know, pressure, so to speak, off of, um, off of uh, Harden, uh, or excuse me, off of Durant. But nevertheless, it, it, they weren't going to go anywhere with Harden, so they were hoping Ben Simmons could come in and be that extra piece. And obviously, him never playing and uh, just sitting, so to speak. Um, Pretty much like Ben said, uh, you know, take things we saw coming for 200, Alex. Thank you very much. Because Ben Simmons just wimped out of this postseason, didn't play an entire season, refused to play for the 76ers, didn't do a damn thing for the Brooklyn Nets, sat back and collected his money. And uh, and, and so, yeah, that, that team became relatively dysfunctional. Now there's some talk about whether or not Steve Nash should lose his job. Why? You know, at this point, I mean, Stephen, a, you, you, a petulant guy like Simmons, you're not going to force him to play. And you've got the problems with Kyrie. They couldn't get enough open looks for Kevin Durant to carry the team all by himself. Everybody thought they would be a really dangerous team, and they probably should have been in the postseason. They just never put it all together. This is what Stephen A. Smith said on, I believe it was first take, regarding Ben Simmons and, uh, and the, the Nets. Notice I said Kyrie Irving is one of the most selfish superstars we've ever seen and obviously one of the most selfish athletes we've ever seen. I didn't say the word the, the as in number one because obviously he ain't got nothing on Ben Simmons. Nobody is worse than Ben Simmons. 
Ben Simmons might also be the weakest, most pathetic excuse for a professional athlete we have ever seen. Notice I said. There you go. One of the weakest, most most pathetic excuses for an athlete we have ever seen. Damn. There you go. <laughs> two hours down, two hours yet to go. We are broadcasting live here in Minneapolis, Minnesota at the Ewing Hotel. Just up here saying hi to some friends, getting a few things done. Kristen's got a banker's conference up here as well. Just decided to visit the Twin Cities for a couple of days. Heading back. We'll be back Thursday night. Don't forget, it is our draft show. you got to be paying attention. We'll bring you all the draft picks, the analysis, everything coming up Thursday night starting starting at 7 o'clock Central Time. And if your local station doesn't carry it, download the zone out of Madison. Download the app. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.